Let's do it. I'm Dr. D. Todd Harrison. We welcome you this day as we will look at and teach and preach the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we've got great stories about Jesus and the healing and the miracles he performed as well as his teachings. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day as prophesied by all the holy prophets of the Old Testament. He sits enthroned at the right hand of our Heavenly Father today. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, our all. We welcome you today. Let's look here at Matthew 7, or excuse me, Matthew 8. We'll be looking today at Matthew 8, Mark 2 through 4, as well as uh, uh, Luke chapter 7. So uh, let's go ahead and look at uh, Matthew. We'll begin in chapter 8, and there's going to be a lot of stuff here to look at here today. So he just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and he's just condemned and went after and attacked false religious leaders. He basically condemned them to hell. He said that they're going to come up and appeal their judgment, uh, being consigned to the lake of fire and brimstone, and uh, and they'll come and appeal to Jesus as the uh, head judge, the chief judge, and they'll say, but Jesus, in your name we perform miracles. In your name we taught and prophesied and did all these mighty works. And then Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. You took it upon yourselves to preach in my name. I did not call you. I did not give you authority to do so. You took it upon yourself to do that. For that, you are being held accountable. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Okay, so that's how we finished it basically here. And now we get in chapter 8. Sermon on the Mount is now over. And he says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me, you can make me clean. We saw this in, the, in one of the other versions, either Mark or Luke or John, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, here's the version in Matthew. And Jesus put forth his hand and also gives witness here that Jesus touched him, right? Now we saw before. That is breaking the commandments, right? That's breaking the law of Moses, right? You can't touch a leper, right? That makes you unclean. But Jesus consistently does this throughout his ministry, continues to purposely break the commandments of the old law, the Mosaic law, to show that he is Lord over all. He's the lawgiver. If he gives the law, he can break the law. He's the only person who can break the law. And if he breaks the law, then... He can, and if he can still heal somebody, then that means what? That God is with him, right? That he indeed is the Son of God that he's proclaiming. He is the Messiah, as he is declaring, and uh, God is with him, right? Okay, so he touches the leper, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see, thou tell no man. Don't tell anyone about this. But go your way. And what does he do? Tell him to obey the law of Moses. Go give the gift that Moses commanded. Jesus just broke the law of Moses. But here he's making sure that his, follow, that his disciples continue to keep the law of Moses. Jesus has not yet died for the sins of the world. Therefore, they're still obeying the law of Moses. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came a dim centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home uh, sick of the palsy. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you enter into my roof. He knows, being a centurion, a Roman soldier here, the commander in the Roman army, that the Jews will not go under the roof of Gentiles. It's again, against their, their tradition, their laws of doing so. Jesus cannot go into his house. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. I have soldiers. And I say, go here, and he goes, and go there, and he goes. He says, uh, when Jesus heard it in verse 10, he marveled and, and said, now the gist he adds here, and when they that followed him heard this, they marveled. Jesus wasn't the one marveling here. Right? Says, um, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, 
not in Israel. <laughs> right? He's always burning. You know, he's always attacking them, right? He's tagging the false religious leaders. He's attacking those who belong to false religions, that they're not the fullness of the everlasting gospel, the fullness of the gospel of God. He says, and watch this. He's going to make it even worse. That was bad enough, right? That was bad enough to say, I haven't found anyone that has faith in Israel except for you, Roman, you Gentile, who the Jews won't even approach you or go, you know, even enter into your house because they think you're such a sinner, yet you're more, you have more faith than they do, right? That was bad enough. Those are already pretty strong words, right? But watch what he does next. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit. So who are these? Again, non-Israelites, right? People living outside of Israel. These are Gentiles. He's saying, and I say it to you, many Gentiles, and the gospel had not even been given to the Gentiles yet. It had only been given to Israel, right? I say to you, the Gentiles shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with who? Your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, right? Now, that's horrible. It's right? <laughs> just twice attacking them now watch this he's going to even add uh fuel to the fire here in the next verse but the children of the kingdom the members of the church the members of the church the members of israel here in these uh, in these in the days of jesus those who had thought that the gospel had been given to them they thought they were privileged above other people because they were members of god's church and kingdom he says but the children of the kingdom, the children of the church, the church members, shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course, they're going to want to kill them after that. <laughs> okay. It says, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so shall it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus was come, so that's the end of that miracle. Now we get the next one here. And when Jesus come into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Complete healing once again, being healed. She was up right away and serving them, right? When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word, right? He didn't have to hold his arm to the square. He didn't have to use in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of Jehovah or you know, in the name of Elohim or any of these types of things. He did it by his own power, by his own authority. He just spoke the word and the evil spirit came out. He said, Satan, depart, and he departed, right? And, um, and he healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, so he's doing these miracles and casting out devils again in fulfillment of Scripture. And that's what these gospel writers keep wanting to point out to us, that all these things Jesus is doing is in fulfillment of prophecy. There is a spirit of prophecy and revelation. And man and woman, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, can speak prophecies. And by speaking prophecy by the Holy Ghost, those promises shall be fulfilled. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side, the other side of the lake, right? Get out of there, right? We saw this before. He didn't go around trying to set baptismal goals. <laughs> he didn't have baptismal goals for his mission. This month we're going to baptize uh, 200 apostles. We better keep working towards that. Let's baptize those who are not who are not worthy let's baptize those who are not ready let's baptize those who don't fully understand that even the most simple basic principles of the gospel let's just baptize to make these uh, numbers as though we're uh, salespeople uh, uh, selling and trying to make profit for a company no he didn't do that every time i pointed this out before right and we continue to see it every time he gathers a crowd among them um, among him he leaves he leaves. He doesn't sit down. Okay, let's form this into a into a branch or a congregation or ward uh, for the church. No, he departs right unless they're fully converted. They, they're coming to him because of the miracles he's performing. This is not full uh, true conversion. Therefore, he will leave them. Right? He leaves them every time he starts gathering 
together a bunch of people who are not fully converted to him and to the gospel. He says, uh, and a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples saith unto him, But Lord, let me go and first bury my father. Uh, Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Right? Full conversion is willing to give up everything, including your sick father, your sick mother that are dying to follow the Lord. He doesn't want those who want to tarry behind and put off following Jesus in full discipleship until later on when things are more convenient to, in their lives. He expects immediate uh, discipleship and wants them to act you know, immediately. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And here's one of the great stories, right? And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now they're all panicking, right? In verse 25, and his disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us. We're going to perish. We're going to die, right? But what was Jesus doing? He was asleep, right? For those who truly learned to trust in the Lord when trials and the storms of life and the tempest are raging about you. You can sleep in great peace, trusting fully in God that he will, A, either save you, B, if some harm should come upon you, you know that it is God's will that that come about. You're perfectly able to rest in peace knowing that you trust in the Lord and he will see to it that whatever happens in this storm it will be for your benefit and for your good. He says here, and so the Lord raises up here, wakes up, and he saith unto them in verse 26, Why are ye fearful, why are ye fearful O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? Not only can he perform miracles and heal the sick and cast out devils, but even the winds and the sea obey his voice. And when he was coming, and then so then they went and they arrived on the other side, the country of the Gergesenes, and there met him two possessed with devils. Now we saw earlier in the prior lesson there is one, right? So this is what they call I'm, I don't remember the exact word for it, but in Matthew he doubles up. To, and the people involved in these stories, right? So we don't know if he's trying to think, of, he's thinking about the law of witnesses of two or three, and, and we don't know why he does this, but Matthew, you know, you got the blind beggar, and there's two of them, and you've got this the demon-possessed man, uh, and, and now he adds a second guy here. But anyways, you still can see the, the truth of this story here, that you have multiple witnesses, multiple um, sources, right? They're both getting it from a different source. They probably don't know each other, right? And so, but there's a, a, a kernel of truth here that there was a demon-possessed man here in this land of the Gergesenes from which Jesus is going to cast the devil out of. And then they're going to have the devil and this evil spirits run down and drown themselves in the body of the pigs, right? Okay, so they met him too possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass that way. They would attack and try to bite and try to hurt the people walking by. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the appointed time? And again, we see that over and over again. The devil and the evil spirits know perfectly well who Jesus Christ is. They know he's the son of God. They know he's the savior of the world. And what a shame it is that there's a lot of people living in the world today who don't know that. They don't know what the devil knows. They don't have the, test, the Christian testimony that the devil has. <laughs> they don't believe, they claim they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but yet the devil believes that, right? Should they not have more faith and more testimony? 
and a stronger witness of Jesus being the son of God than the devil and the evil spirits who spend all their time opposing and fighting against him and his kingdom? And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many pigs. So the devils besought him, saying, if you can, if you cast us out, just suffer us to go away into the herd of the swine. Now, a pig is the unclean animal. They should not be raising these pigs here in this land. Right? It's not Jesus going to allow them to destroy somebody's property, somebody's animals. This is against the law of Moses. They're not supposed to be raising pigs, right? So the, the Lord says this would be a good teaching lesson then for him. Let's let you go into these pigs and go drown them, right? Jesus knew what they were about to do. And he said unto them, go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. Now, you would have thought that this would be a great conversion story, right? Wow, look what this Jesus guy did, right? He he cast out the evil spirit from these two men, and, and they entered the pigs, and they ran down and drowned themselves in the sea there. But no, what do they do? The people come out to Jesus, not to listen to him and, you know, and hear what he has to say and teach, not to even be healed by him as the other people were in all the other cities, right? They gather around Jesus to ask him to leave. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Rejection of the Lamb of God slain from the sins of the world. Rejection of their sins being forgiven. They have departed from this life having rejected the Lord of glory. And they shall be cast out to where Jesus continued to warn the people where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so that's Matthew 8. We'll look now at Mark. Mark 2 through 4. Okay. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house, right? So he enters into Capernaum. They start, all the neighbors start gossiping. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And yet he preached the word unto them. So they crowd the house. They crowd the whole place there. But yet he's persistent. He's going to preach the gospel to them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, right? And when they could not come in, uh, uh, because all the people, what they do? They uncover the roof, and they let him down, uh, you know, this guy sick with the palsy on, on his bed. In verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What? No, they brought him to be physically healed, right? And Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus knew that as much as he needed to be healed of this physical ailment, the sinful nature of his soul needed even more healing. He needed to be forgiven of his sins more than he needed to be healed of the palsy. That's why Jesus speaks, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes, <laughs> uh, they're sitting and reasoning in their hearts, right? So again. Now, what is this consistent message through the Gospels, right? Jesus perceives, he knows the thoughts of the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. He'll, often, he'll always speak before they have a chance to talk, to show his divine omniscience of knowing their hearts, right? So when we get to that woman caught in adultery later on, we continue to be prepared for that uh, uh, story when we get to it. Did not happen. I'm going to give you a hint. It did not happen, right? Okay. Uh, let's go on here. He says, uh, uh, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Right? So he's showing his divine omniscience. He knows what they're thinking. Is it easier to say your sins be forgiven you? Anybody could say that. 
How would you know that his sins were really forgiven, right? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Well, few would be willing to say that because they wouldn't. They, they knew most of them that if they said that, he's not going to be able to rise up and walk. Then Jesus says, but so that you know that I, the Son of Man, have power on earth to forgive sins. Then he says to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed, go your way into your house. You know, therefore showing that God's power with him, right? He just blasphemed God as far as some of them were concerned and said he could forgive sins. Well, if, if somebody said that, God's not going to then perform a healing miracle through them. But Jesus shows, wanted to show that he had the power to forgive sins, that he was the son of God. Therefore, he said, for, you know, I forgive you your sins. And then he told the guy to get up, walk and, and return to your house. And and in uh, so much that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, "We never saw it like this." And he went again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, Levi, another name for Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receive of custom, and he's doing his tax collecting business. And Jesus says, "Follow me," and he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. So you get these tax collectors and you get the prostitutes all together hanging out at Jesus' house, right? <laughs> and the scribes and the Pharisees are just going to be shocked again, aren't they? So I'm eat with publicans and sinners. They said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that, remember, again, he doesn't let them approach him, approach him and talk to him. He addresses and speaks to them first. They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast often. And now they're coming to him saying, well, Jesus, why are the disciples of John and the disciples of Pharisees fasting? But your disciples are not fasting. Then he says unto them, is it possible that the children of the, of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? So his whole ministry is a three-year party. They have the bridegroom here with them. This is a three-year wedding party. Of course, they're not going to they're, they're fast. They're going to feast upon the word of God during this three years, right? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. And then they shall fast in those days. So Jesus here, we're telling that he will be taken away from them. The church and kingdom of God will be taken away from them. We'll have a nearly 2,000 year period of apostasy on the earth in which there'll be a famine, according to Amos, of hearing the true word of God. And so he teaches the lesson here with a parable. Right? It says, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled up taketh away from the old, and the rent or the tear is made worse. And that's what we had in the apostasy, right? So, you know, out of the many churches that were left, there was one that survived called the Catholic Church, right? They still at least proclaimed and and uh, pretended to have authority of God and uh, have the priesthood of God and they and they still tried to claim all this authority and, and priesthood so then what happened is you then have the uh, new uh, uh, the new one uh, the new cloth on the old garment so they just then try to patch uh, you know, onto the old garment onto the Catholic Church they try to patch new things. So you get Martin Luther and the Calvinists and all these things. And now they start teaching differences and uh, doctrinal differences. And now you reject authority, right? You reject the authority of the Catholic Church. You reject priesthood and authority and ordinances necessary for salvation and exaltation, right? So it made it worse, right? It made it worse. And then, and then he teaches here, and no man put a new wine into old bottles. So once again, by doing an, a, a reformation rather than a restoration of the gospel. 
Else the new wine doth burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. You must restore the church anew in April of 1830. You start it again. You don't reform again. It's not a Reformation church. It has to be a new church, you know, and a new bottle, right? A new bottle and a new and a new church, new bottle, new wine, as the church was restored, not part of a reformation, but as a restoration of the original church of Jesus Christ in first century AD. Okay, so then um, we'll skip the next little one here. Um, uh, well, okay, so the next story here is Jesus and, their go and his disciples going through the cornfields. His disciples are hungry. They start to pluck the the um, uh, the, cor the corn, uh, to pluck the ears of corn, which they could do. According to Law Moses, if you're in some field, even if it belongs to somebody else, you're allowed to pluck enough to eat at, at that time. You don't take a whole bag full home, right? <laughs> but you're okay to eat it, right? Problem is, is that they're saying, you're doing it on the Sabbath day, Jesus. And he said unto them, maybe, and then he tells a story about David and how David did something that was not lawful. So Jesus is admitting that they're doing an unlawful thing on the on the Sabbath, but then also pointing out their their proclaimed beloved David once did something too that was unlawful. Then he teaches them here in verse twenty seven, important lesson about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Right. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. If I'm Lord of the Sabbath, I can declare whatever I want on the Sabbath. I can declare that my apostles can eat on the Sabbath day. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one that makes the rules here, right? Okay, so now we move to chapter 3 of Mark. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. And so they all gather again together, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they watch him. Uh, to see, not 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 out of love of this poor man who had a withered hand, and oh, please, Jesus, you know, he's our neighbor, he's our friend, heal him. <laughs> no, they want to see Jesus heal so they could accuse him of, of, of breaking the Sabbath day, so they have reason to kill him. And he saith unto the and and he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand for. <clears throat> and in verse four. He teaches a lesson here, and he says, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? They know the answer, so they they held their peace. They didn't say anything because they knew the answer. They knew what Jesus was asking. And when he looked around about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saved them to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other hand. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians. With the Herodians? The Pharisees with the Herodians? They're the complete opposite, right? The Herodians are those who are pro-Herod, right? Pro-Rome, right? These are their enemies. Now they're trying to make, get power with their, you know, the, the coalition with their enemies to kill this Jesus. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from all Judea. So you have this great multitude coming, and again, he runs away from them, right? And from Jerusalem, you know, it goes on and on about all these things. When they had heard what great things he did, they came unto him. Not full conversion, therefore he leaves them. Not, okay, well, let's baptize him because they're willing to, to say yes. They'll, they'll accept their invitation to get baptized. But, you know, so we'll go ahead and baptize them. And then we'll we'll try to work with them, you know, while we're baptizing other people. You know, <laughs> we'll try to work with them. We'll try to make sure they come back to church next week. No, that's not, it's not full conversion. They're not, these people are not ready for baptism. That's why Jesus is not baptizing them. Okay, we go on here and... Um, for he had healed many in verse 10. And so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. So those who had plagues, sicknesses, illnesses, tried to touch Jesus. And watch again here. And unclean spirits, demons of hell, when they saw him, fell down before him 
and cried saying, thou art the son of God. Again, what a shame it is that people in this world don't have the same testimony of Jesus Christ as the demons of hell have. And it straightway charged them that they should not make him known. Doesn't want attention from the devil. Wants attention from those who are his followers, his disciples. And he goeth up into a mountain, and he calleth unto them who he would. And they came unto him. And he's going to call twelve apostles. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him. And that he might send them forth to preach. To preach. That's the main goal and the main responsibility of the twelve apostles. To preach the gospel, right? Now, in uh, today's uh, church, you know, they try to take upon themselves a lot of administrative function, you know, things like that, uh, which, you know, as we look at the biblical 12, it's different, right? Later on, when Jesus rose from the dead, what did the 12 do? They gave up the administrative function, turned it over to the 70, so they could go out and preach the gospel. That's what Jesus wanted the 12 apostles doing, going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, after teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were to prove that they were true apostles, true people being sent forth from God by having the power and authority to heal the sick and to cast out devils. They go together. You preach the gospel and you heal the sick. If you only preach the gospel, but you don't heal the sick, that's not following the commandment of Jesus. And, and, and the way that the gospel is to be preached. You go forward, you preach the gospel, and you heal the sick, and you cast out devils. That's what he's commissioning the 12 to do here. He says, and he ordained the 12 that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, and so they're going to name the 12 apostles here. And Simon, he, he uh, surnamed Peter. And we get his cousins here, John and, and James, the sons of Zebedee, his, his cousins. And uh, the uh, and then verse 18, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon, the Canaanite. So he's got two cousins here, and he's got his three of his four brothers who are being called as apostles. We saw it with the restoration of the gospel, right? That, you you know, he, the Lord works with families when he brings forth restoration uh, of the gospel, right? So just as he's bringing forth the restoration of the gospel here, he's calling the cousins. Remember, John the Baptist was a cousin, second cousin of Jesus. Here he's got his first cousins, James and John, serving as the members of the twelve. And he's got three brothers here, right? We saw before that Alpheus is another name of uh, Joseph. So here's James, the son of Alpheus. This is James, the son of Joseph, right? His full is his half brother, right? Because God's his father, Mary's his mother. They have the same mother as as Jesus did, but then Joseph is is uh, uh, you know basically adopted, uh, uh, you know, his adopted father. Uh, you know, is their father, right? So these are three brothers of Jesus from the same mother, Mary, uh, but through uh, through Joseph. So James, the son of Joseph here, Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Now we've seen before that Thaddeus was another name that Judas or Jude had, right? So this is, as we saw in the other list of the apostles, Thaddeus is the same as Jude or Judas, uh, not Iscariot, but the other Judas who authors the book, the epistle of Jude, right? So Thaddeus is, is his brother Jude and his brother Simon the Canaanite here. And then they got Judas Iscariot here. And, uh, and Mark has to point out, which also betrayed him, and they, they went into the house, right? Okay, and a multitude cometh together again, so they could not eat so much bread. Once again, it was full people want to come be healed. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, he is 
out of his mind, right? That's the Greek here, if you notice the footnotes here, right? He's out of his senses, right? His friends are saying, this Jesus, you know, we knew him for 30 years. He didn't act like this before. He's acting crazy now. He's out preaching and trying to heal and stuff. We never heard him do that before. Before he was, you know, he, he was, the, you know, the carpenter here, right? He was the, he was the carpenter. We knew him from his carpentry business, right? And uh, and then in verse 22, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, he hath Beelzebub, here's that great charge once again, and by the prince of the devils he cast out devils. So Jesus has to say, come on, guys, listen to what you say and how ridiculous that sounds, right? He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If the kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if the house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rises up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but half an end. Right? He's now he goes down. He says, "But this is very serious what you guys are saying because this is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost." Says verse twenty-eight: "Verily I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But that, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness." and is in danger of eternal damnation. Because they said he hath an unclean spirit. So because they said he hath an unclean spirit, he, they're in danger of eternal damnation, and they're blaspheming against the Holy Ghost, and that sin shall never be forgiven. Then came his brethren and his mother, and standing without sin unto him, calling him. And a multitude sat about him and said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And so Jesus is going to use this as a great opportunity to reprimand them. Why are they outside? Where should they be, right? They should be here listening to Jesus, right? But they're not. They were outside, his brother and then his mother outside. And now they're coming to want to speak to Jesus, but they should have been there, right? Remember with uh, Mary and Martha and uh, that story, and, and you know he reprimands the sister for going out trying to serve, because it was more important to be sitting there at his feet, listening to him preach the gospel. And that's where his mother and brethren should have been. So therefore he said, the, the, they're not really my, my, my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the commandments of God are my mother and my brothers. Whosoever shall do the will of God, which the will was to listen to the gospel as preached by Jesus, right? For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Okay, now chapter 4. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, because he's going to leave, right? <laughs> Every time he builds a multitude of converts, instead of forming a congregation and trying to baptize people just because they heard a few discussions, right? He leaves, right? We've seen him multiple times. So he's getting in the boat ready to take off here, right? <laughs> And uh, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea and the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. And so he tells the parable of the of the sower uh, went out to sow. After telling this, his apostles come to him and they say, well, why are you speaking in these parables? Well, we can't understand you, Jesus. And he says, uh, unto you. The apostles is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, those are not yet members of the church and kingdom of God. All these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see, they may see me preach, they may, but not perceive. And hearing they may hear my words, but not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins would be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will ye know all parables? So he says that the sower is sowing the word, the gospel, the, the true doctrine of God. And these are they by the wayside. When the word is sown, but, um, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and tries to take away that true doctrine that they just heard. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ, immediately they receive it with gladness. They're so happy that they heard the truth of God after living their lives without it. 
and they have, but they have no root in themselves. They have no spiritual foundation. And so endure, but for a time, they go to church a few times after getting baptism, after getting baptized. But then afterwards, they run into affliction or persecution and, and for the gospel. And immediately, they're offended, and they go into inactivity. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And then they get busy with the things of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and becometh un fruitful they go in an activity so that because they're so busy with the things of the world and earning money and and working and these things and verse 20 and these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and to receive it and they bring forth some 34 some 60 and some 100 so some of these go out and become missionaries for the church some will later become bishops and Relief Society presidents and uh, primary presidents and uh, elders quorum presidents and, and all these kinds of things and produce a lot of fruit, right? And then uh, he goes down and he says, verse 24, And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Those of you who want to hear the true doctrine of God shall be given more. And even personal revelation, line upon line, precept upon precept, until you know all the mysteries in, of, of the kingdom of God. For he that hath, to him shall be given more. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. So if, if you've heard the gospel, but you don't truly want to believe it, and you don't truly want to make it part of your life, then he'll take that from you and turn you over to worshiping false uh, the creeds of an abominable false apostate Christianity, for example. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. And if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed shall spring and grow and he knoweth not how. You know, it started with six members in April of 1830, right? For earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear. And after that, the full corn in the air. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, six members in 1830, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that were in the earth. It was the smallest congregation in April 6th of 1830, right? But when it is sown, it groweth, up and becometh greater than all the herbs, right? It's going to continue to grow and grow until it's the largest church. Now, when we get to that point, there's, a, you know, a lot of the members are not really worthy, right? And they're not really doing the right thing. So they're member, they're, they're uh, uh, by name, they're members of the church by, by, by name and by maybe record keeping, right? But they're not truly members. And that's why Jesus says when he comes down, He's going to burn them, you know, he's going to gather the wheat from the tares, right, from his church, right? Put the wheat to the side here and bless them. Take the, the members of the church who, who were not truly converted in their hearts, and he's going to burn them with fire, right? And uh, becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And in many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable speaking not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. They got to hear the true, uh, clear doctrine. In the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, you know, they didn't go baptize them, and <laughs> sent them away, right? They took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, 
what man of the, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So that was the Markan version of the story we just looked at in Matthew. Okay, now we do our last chapter for today in Luke, Luke chapter seven. Okay, and so in chapter seven here of Luke. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he saith unto him, The elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? Right? <laughs> the elders of the Jews are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, right? The ones that are out trying to attack Jesus, right? He sends them to go. Beg Jesus to come heal, you know, heal his uh, servant here. And when they came to Jesus, after trying to kill him, looking for reasons to kill him, they besought him instantly, saying that the centurion is worthy for you to heal his servant because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Oh, how money talks, right? <laughs> he built him a synagogue. He's got money. He, you know the. As long as he builds them a synagogue, you suddenly, you know, Jesus, we, I know we want to kill you on the one hand. On the other hand, can you please heal our friend here so we can keep getting money from him and donations so he'll continue to build his synagogues and, and nice places? <laughs> what hypocrites. No wonder Jesus calls these people hypocrites over and over again. He says here, um, then Jesus went with them, and when he was... Now, not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, And him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And he tells about, you know, he's got this authority, and he can say to one servant, Go here and go there. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I... And remember, this is what we just looked at in Matthew. I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And it came to pass that day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, don't weep. And he came and touched the buyer. Now, he didn't touch the body here. Right? I mean, kind of expecting that after he's been touching lepers and so forth, right? You're not supposed to touch dead bodies either. He doesn't do it. He just touches the buyer in this case. Right? And uh, uh, which I think is showing is a more miracle because now they're thinking, now they're thinking they've seen Jesus heal these people before, right? They've seen Jesus heal the sick by touching them, right? And so now he's going to show he purposely does not touch. He could have touched his body, and he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have thought twice about it, right? He's fine touching and becoming unclean according to the law of Moses while teaching that he's over the law of Moses. He's the one that gave the law of Moses. If he, he could have touched the dead body here, but instead he wants to show, I'm just going to touch the casket that they have here and heal him that way. Showing even greater power, he doesn't even have to touch the dead body to bring it back to life. Okay, so then he says uh, in fourteen, and he came, and he came and touched the buyer, and they and they that bear him stood still, and he said, "Young man, I say unto thee, arise." And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother, and there came a fear on all, right. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or looked we for another? Right? So John's disciples saw this, but they're still not sure. They're still not. They so respect John as a prophet of God that they still don't know whether to believe Jesus or not, right? So John has to tell them, okay, look, go back to Jesus. You know, he's giving them a test here to try to fully convert them. He wants them to follow Jesus, right? He was the um, forerunner of Jesus to point the way. John the Baptist, uh, 
when the man were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So just go ask Jesus, right? Go, go ask Jesus. And in that same hour, he cured many of their, so he then, he doesn't answer the question. Instead, he starts healing many. And plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor, not to the rich, the gospel is preached, right? And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me, right? So they're going to go down. So the John and Jesus playing with these, trying to um, convert them. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? No. He's trying to say here, look, John's not uh, lacking faith. He's not struggling with his belief. He's in jail right now, ready to be beheaded at any moment. You know, he knows who I am, and he has a strong testimony of that. He's not, he's not, he's not a reed shaken uh, with the wind, right? But what went ye out for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. That's where you go see those wearing nice clothes. But what went ye out to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, right? So John was the greatest prophet ever to, to live. What a great, uh, you know, uh, statement that Jesus, you know, can you imagine Jesus saying that about you, right? You're the greatest prophet. You're the greatest disciple. You're his greatest follower, you know, he ever had. But those who enter the kingdom of God, will be, you know, come greater than prophets, right? Anyone entering the kingdom of God will be greater than a prophet. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, One, two, then shall I liken the man of this generation, these Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites, and to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a devil. <laughs> He's out fasting in the desert. You say, He has a devil. Now Jesus comes along. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bib. Bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of all her children. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had been in him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him. So once again, Jesus, they don't approach him like they did in the story of the woman caught in adultery, right? Jesus does not let the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees come and start to speak to him. He always speaks to them first. He always shows his divine omniscience and knowing what's in their heart. They don't have to say, oh, we caught this woman in adultery, right? Jesus already would have known that, right? Okay, so he says here, he says, this uh, man, if he probably would have known who and what man or woman it says that touches him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him. So not answering what he said to Jesus, 
but answering what he's thinking within himself, right? His thoughts. I have Simon, and he calls him by name, right? Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith, Master, I speak. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you've rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, see thou this woman? I entered into thine house. You know, you did invite me. I entered into your house. But you didn't give me any water for my to wash my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Simon, you didn't you did not give me any kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, my head with oil, you did not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. She loved me, Jesus. Therefore her sins are forgiven. But to whom little is forgiven, Simon, I know you're a Pharisee. You've been trying your best your whole life to keep the commandments of God. The same loveth little, therefore you love me little, because you th you think you're almost perfect in keeping God's commandments. That's why you you only love me a little bit. You did invite me here to dinner, but you didn't give me any special treatment at all. This woman has a lot of sins. She'll do anything for me because she loves me more than you. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves. So again, Jesus is perceiving, knowing what they're thinking within themselves. Who is this that also forgives sins? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. What a mighty lesson here. What a great way to end it up here. Showing that thy faith hath healed thee. Thy faith hath saved thee. You who have, re who have committed the most sin have the opportunity to love Jesus the most. His invitation is to all, not only to the perfect or so-called perfect, those who think they're perfect, not to those who are morally, uh, uh, have reached a higher moral uh, standard in life than, than, than the fallen. His invitation is to all. We've seen that here in this lesson once again to the poor, to the sinners. He didn't come. He did not come to heal the the the, the those who have no uh, who need no healing. He did not come to save those who were not sick. He came to save those who were sick. So this message is for those of you who are the sinners, right? Who are the sinners? His invitation is to come, come unto Him. Show him his, your love for him. Show him your faith in him. He will heal you. He will raise you up. He will say to you, as he said to this woman, thy sins, O man, or thy sins, O woman, are forgiven you. Just come. Come unto your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will leave in the, in the description of this video a, a, a link a link to reach out to the great missionaries of this church. Tell them you're ready to change your life, to cast away your sins, to come on to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They will help you. They will teach you some basic things that you need and help you prepare to go forward into the waters of baptism and make promises and a covenant that you are willing now at this stage in your life doesn't matter what you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, but that you are ready and willing at this time to offer yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, to make a promise that you will keep his, co his covenants and his commandments so that he can welcome you into his arms of love 
for those of you who fall into inactivity of the uh, church, we welcome you back with full open arms to come back, come back and be part of, once again, of the saints of God as we continue to prepare ourselves and to prepare our neighbors and to prepare those around us for the forthcoming, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He stands at the door and knocks. His coming's not very far yet to come. He will come. He will reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We welcome you back to his fellow full fellowship. Closing, we once again bear our testimony, our witness of him, who we call our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is real. He is alive. And he stands at the head of this world as our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our all. We pray for you in closing that God will pour out his choices, blessings upon you, that you will have food to eat, that you have safe shelter overhead, that you have basic financial resources to be able to carry out his will and his plan for your lives. We bless you with opportunities to be able to look for and to help serve one another in helping to build up the kingdom of God. We leave this blessing with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.